It is wonderful to be gathered today with the Lord's people here at Calvary Baptist Church. And I was, uh, again, joyed when the Brother Richard texts me. You know, he don't call. Y'all know that. He texts. But we have some long conversations texting. But uh, anyway, he asked me if I could come fill the pulpit today since they were going to be on vacation. And I uh, immediately jumped on the opportunity because I always love to come uh, back home and be with people that, um, that I know. And uh, I count uh, those who are members here at Calvary to be some dear friends. Always a joy to come and be with you here. I want to invite your attention to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Down in verse 22, we uh, have this account of Jesus uh, with his disciples. And uh, it reads, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the winds were contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and saying, It's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid And beginning to seek, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Lord, thank you so much for this story. 
Uh, thank you, Lord, that we can read it and read it and read it again. And every time, it's always fresh. And there's something new that uh, we have yet to discover because your word is a living word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, pour out your spirit uh, to capture every heart and mind that is here this morning. And Lord, I pray that we'll be open and that we can learn from your precious word lessons that we need in our lives. I pray that you would receive all the glory and the honor because it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there are 35 miracles that are recorded in the New Testament or in the Gospels that Jesus performed. Now, we understand that He, he certainly performed many, many more than that. But, uh, you know, John told us that if, that if everything that Jesus did uh, was recorded in a book, there wouldn't be a book a book big enough. And so, uh, uh, but these 35 were there for a specific reason to teach us lessons that we need to learn about Jesus. Now, many of the, the miracles that Jesus performed happened to be in and around the Sea of Galilee where uh, He is uh, at this time when this uh, miracle of the storm takes place. Um, and uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee, that area, one of, is one of the most, uh, my, my favorite of all the land uh, in Israel. Now, uh, a lot of people, you know, and I, and I know the city of Jerusalem is very important, and outside the walls is where the, the crucifixion took place and all of that, I understand. But there's just something about the Sea of Galilee, the setting, and the fact that a lot of the teaching ministry of Jesus was around the hills of, uh, of the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and so, uh, as I said, so many of the uh, miracles of Jesus that's recorded took place there. For instance, one time when Jesus was in His teaching ministry, He had uh, come down to the Sea of Galilee in the useful little city of Capernaum there. And, and uh, uh, people were just pressing on Jesus because they had heard of all His mighty works and words. And so they, they came down. So Jesus decided, uh, because the crowd had pressed on Him, He was standing at the edge of the Sea of Galilee, so uh, these fishermen had come in at night, and he asked one of them, he said, uh, can I borrow your boat? And he got in it, he said, push me out over the water. And so Jesus knew something that it took us a long time to learn, and that was that if he got back off out in the water, that he could teach, and his voice would bounce off of the water and go straight up the hill where the masses of people were gathered, and everybody there could hear him. And so uh, he did. 
And uh, later on, on another occasion, his disciples were there. And he was on the little ship out in the Sea of Galilee. He had been teaching all day. He was tired. And so he went down and he lay down to take a nap. Take a rest. Well, a storm came up. And his disciples went and woke him up and they said, Jesus, carest thou not that we perish? Well, uh, that's a silly question to ask Jesus. Because certainly he cares. In fact, I suspect all of us have at one time or the other been just like those disciples. We have a storm come up in our life and, and uh, it, it just seems that the Lord is nowhere to be found. And, and in our heart we just say, Oh Lord, don't you care that I'm, that I'm about to die? Aren't you interested in my life? Uh, will, will, will you not uh, do something about this? Don't you care? And the fact is, yes, Jesus cares. Oh yes, He cares. His heart is touched with our griefs. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. And so Jesus stood up on the bow of that little ship, looked out over those waves, and He said, Hush! And the winds just died down, just like a little whoop puppy. They just quit. And there was a calm. And so, um, you know, it's good to know when Jesus doesn't seem to be present, that we can have the faith and know that He's on board our life's vessel. He's with us. He cares about us. And so what do you do? What do you do when a storm comes in your life and Jesus is nowhere to be found. Well, these verses we read give us the answer to that. Let me give you three observations from this story here in Matthew chapter 14. First of all, I want you to notice the storm on the sea. The storm on the sea. Verse 24 uh, says that, that the ship was in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the winds were contrary. And so here was a, a, a sudden storm that comes sweeping down through the mountains like the fury of a demon, like the, like the suddenness of an ambush attack. And you know, the fact is that these men, for the most part, who were the disciples of Jesus, they were seasoned fishermen. They were raised right there around the Sea of Galilee. Peter, James, and John were fishermen. Their dad was fishermen. Their dad's dad was fishermen. And so they knew this sea. They had spent a, 
a big part of their life fishing on this sea. But there was something about this storm that was out of the ordinary. There was something about this storm that the seaworthy fishermen found themselves out of control. You know, it's like the uh, like the that lady that uh, was telling her friend uh, about a wreck that she had, and uh, she says, "Oh, I said, my goodness, I was running going down the street," and she said, "I jumped the curb." Uh, and, and I started across this man's yard, and I hit this sign, and, and, and there was a tree, and I bounced off of the tree uh, that I hit, and I clipped the corner of their, of their house, and, and, and I got back out into the street. And she says, oh, but when I got out in the street, I just lost control of that car. Well, you know, have you ever been there? Have you ever been that way? Life sometimes goes along so sweet, so smooth, and then all of a sudden the winds of life become convulsive and life's ways become contrary. It may be that phone call in the middle of the night that says someone near and dear to you has just suddenly passed away. It might be that you go into work one morning and your boss comes by and he says, Hey, I just want you to know we're cutting back and this is your, your last day here on the job. It might be that you go to a, uh, for a doctor's appointment and he tells you after running tests and doing uh, things that he says, Hey, you've got cancer. And it's in the last stages. I mean, that's the way life is. It just hits us. You may just walk in one day and your mate say, Hey, I want you to know, I'm tired of this marriage. I want out. Happens all the time. Life can be a bad, bad storm. Well, let me show you two things about this storm. Number one, this storm was in the Lord's plans for these disciples. You look at verse 22 and you see the word constrain. You know what that word constrain means? It means to compel. It means to force. It means to drive. And so, Jesus made these disciples get in that boat and sails right in to that storm. Now, so it was in His plans for these disciples to be in this storm. Now, the reason it's not told to us in Matthew 14, but if you read John chapter 6, you will find out that, that here's what was fixing to happen. There were some people who had been following Jesus, and they had got together and decided that they were going to capture Jesus, and they were going to make Him their King. 
They had heard his words. They had seen his works. And so they were going to make him their king. And so what did Jesus do? Knowing that, he takes his disciples and he sends them into a lesser storm to get them away from a bigger storm. And that was trying to make Jesus king before it was time. And so, and by the way, you know that's sometimes what happens to us. Can I tell you something that I, I hope you'll remember? Listen to this. Satan will tempt you to bring out the very worst there is in you. Jesus will test you to bring out the very best there is in you. And so, Jesus takes these disciples away from a temptation and He puts them into a time of testing so they would be spared the temptation of trying to make Him be king before it was His time. But I'll tell you something else Jesus was doing. Jesus was also getting them ready for greater storms that would come in their life. You see, Jesus knew that these disciples were destined to live stormy lives. And so Jesus sends a little storm, getting them ready for a bigger storm that would come later on in their life. And you know that's exactly what Jesus does for us. I've heard people say, I bet you've heard it too. And you may have said it. Man, I just wished I knew the future. I wished I knew what was going to happen in my life. No, you don't. Because if you knew, you couldn't handle it. So you know what Jesus does? Jesus sends you into little storms, getting you ready for a bigger storm, getting you ready for a bigger storm, getting you ready for a bigger storm. That's how much He cares about you. But you know what? Those disciples that night, they learned something about the Lord in that storm that they would have never learned any other way. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine modern day version of this story right here? Uh, these guys ride that storm out all night. They get back on the bank the next morning. And, and boy, this, this news has traveled everywhere about this big storm on the Lake of Galilee. And so here comes all of these reporters. And, and here comes a reporter. Maybe he was from Good Morning Jerusalem. And he sticks that microphone up in Peter's face and says, Hey, I understand you were one of the guys in that storm last night. Oh, Peter said, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I was one of them. And, and he says, Oh, well, I am so sorry you had to go through that. But tell us about it. 
And old Peter said, oh no man, you don't understand. Listen, we learned some things about our Lord last night in that storm that we, that we could have never learned any other way. <laughs> and that's the way it is with you. You have this big storm come up in your life and, and, and all of a, all of a sudden, all of a sudden your, your life is out of control. But then the Lord just kind of brings you through that terrible time and, and you get over out on the other side and, and, and all of a sudden you begin to realize, oh, how much I learned about the sustaining grace of my Lord in that storm. And I'd have never learned it any other way. You see, great lessons are learned not on the mountaintop, but down in the valley. And by the way, here's a real good example of being in the Lord's will and at leading these disciples into a storm. You know, I'm afraid that sometimes we get the idea that, that if we are in the will of God, that it's just going to be smooth sailing in our life. Well, I don't know where you get that idea, but there's a lot of people that have it. You see, sometimes the pathway into God's will is a pathway into a storm. I mean, just because you're having difficulty in your life does not mean that you are out of God's will. Sometimes it means that you are exactly in God's will. Let me show you another thing. This storm was in the in the the Lord's prayers. Now I want you to get this get this right here. Jesus is up on the mountain. The disciples are down on the sea. The disciples are in a ship roaring, rowing, and Jesus is up on the mountain praying. Now, again, you don't find this in Matthew's account, but in Mark's account, in chapter 6, you find in verse 48 that Jesus looks down on the sea and sees the disciples rowing. He saw them. Now get this. They didn't see Jesus, but Jesus saw them. <laughs> Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Well, that ought to be such an encouragement for every one of us. I mean, just to know that when His presence is not apparent, when we don't see His face in the time of a storm, that His eyes are on us. He sees me. 
He knows what I'm going through. Now, I don't know if you're like I am, but sometimes I get the idea that, that, that Jesus is up there in heaven and He looks down and He sees me in a, in a storm and He just kindly wrings His hands and He says, Oh, oh, Alan, is, He's in a storm down there and I just don't know what's going to happen. I just don't, no, 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 no. That never happens with the Lord. Friend, nothing ever comes my way that Jesus does not know about. Prime example. What about old Job? Did you know that everything that happened to Job was discussed around the throne of God? And that's so true with us too. Well, let's move on. How about the Savior on the sea? Verse 25 says that when His disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit, and they cried out with fear. Jesus came. It was the fourth watch of the night. You know what time that was? Three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning. I don't know about you, but usually around 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm asleep. Now, these old boys wasn't. They were fighting for their lives. But I want you to look, first of all, at the supremacy of Jesus. The Bible tells us that He was walking. Listen, He was walking on the water. He was walking on the water. I read one time where uh, there was a this modern liberal politician, not politician, but Bible scholar. And um, he said that Jesus was not really walking on the water. That he was actually walking on the bank. But it was an illusion that caused him to look as though he was walking on the water. Well, last time I was over there, that Sea of Galilee, it was seven miles wide and it was 15 miles long. Now, the Bible says that the ship with the disciples was in the midst of the sea. So now to think think of this, the closest they could been to, to 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 the land was three and a half miles. I mean that was the closest they could have been. They were in the middle of it, and 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 so uh, listen, Jesus was walking on the water, man. Man, he's been able to walk in space, but man has never been able to walk on water. But you know, here's a great thing about it. Jesus was walking on the water. And so, look, look at this. That water that was over the heads of the disciples was under the feet of Jesus. You know what that tells me? It tells me that He is on top 
of whatever problem I may be facing. You see, Jesus Christ is supreme. He is supreme over all of, of the natural elements. He took wine one day and turned it into water to drink. And on this occasion, He turned it into a road to walk on. Man can't do that, but God-man can. Jesus did it. And let me tell you something, friend. God can take that storm that is brewing in your life right now and is about to take you under. He can take it and use it as a pathway to do something great and mighty in your life. Number three. Or, well, B. Number two, I'll tell you something else about Jesus. And that is the sympathy of Jesus. Verse 26 says the disciples were troubled and they cried out and they said, Oh, it's a spirit! It's a spirit! Greek word is tatasma. It's a tatasma, they said. It's a ghost! Get the picture. (laughs) Three o'clock in the morning. No doubt these old boys were worn to a frizzle because they'd been trying to keep that water out of the boat. And all of a sudden, here comes this form walking on the water. And they see that thing. (laughs) And they, they are scared. They don't know what it is. Like them two little old boys that got them a summer job working at a, a funeral home. And their job was that when they had a visitation and the families all left, that they had to lock the doors and they had to stay there all night in there with that body or those bodies. And so they were sitting there their first night and one little old boy leaned over to the other and he says, Hey, do you believe in ghosts? Well, the little old boy, he thought about it a minute and he said, No, but I'm scared of them. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's the way these disciples were. And then you, you see... What they thought was was for their bad actually turned out to be for their good. What they thought was the worst thing in their life really turned out to be the best thing. They saw Jesus demonstrate His great power over the elements on the earth. Look at verse 27. Oh, this is, this is so true. Jesus says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Oh, that that word I, it is I. Oh, that is packed so full. You know what Jesus told him? He says, I am that I am. Same thing he told 
Moses, he says, they ask you any questions, you just tell them the I am sent me. Sent you. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus said, hey, fellas, listen, it's me. It is me. That is so true. Be of good cheer. It is I. And so listen, friend. He is saying to you and me, it's I. It's the Word of Deity. The great I Am. And so listen to me. If you're going through a storm in your life, you just lay hold to that Word, I Am. And this means that Jesus is anything and everything that your storm requires. If you are, if you're going through a guided storm, listen, Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way. If you're going through an intellectual storm, Jesus said, I'm the truth. If you're going through a health storm, Jesus said, I'm the life. I mean, when you need, whatever you need, Jesus is the great I Am, and just when you need Him the most, that's when He appears. Now, let me show you one other thing, and that is the saint on the sea. Verse 28. Peter answered him. And he said, Lord, if it's you, let me come out there on the water. You know, that's pure old Peter. He just approached everything, every subject with an open mouth. Old Peter suffered from the hoof and mouth disease. And you know, we jump on old Peter so much, especially in this happening right here. But I want to tell you something about Peter. He was loud and he was so impetuous, but old Peter was so lovable. Look at Peter's desire. And I'm telling you, we don't need to criticize Peter because this was Peter's finest hour before Pentecost. I mean, you can say a lot of things about Peter. You can point out all of his faults and all of his failures and all of his inconsistencies, but there was never a man who loved the Lord Jesus with the fervor and the intensity like old Peter. He loved. He wanted to be with Jesus. You remember in John 21, when uh, after, this is after the, uh, the crucifixion and and Jesus uh, had ascended back to heaven for just that brief moment. And the disciples thought it was over. Oh, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, yeah, we might as well too. And so they go get their little boats and they go fishing. And here they are. Been out fishing all night. And they come in the next morning, and uh, one of the disciples looks up on the shore, and he looked, he, and he recognized Jesus, and Jesus was, he was cooking breakfast. 
That's the Lord's breakfast. We don't take that. We take the Lord's supper. But here, and he goes out through the water and he says, Hey, Peter, guess who's up here on the bank? Peter says, Who is it? And they said, Peter, it's Jesus. And man, old Peter gets to, he gets to get in that boat and he can't get that boat to go fast enough. He bails out of it. And he goes running in the water, getting to where Jesus... See, it didn't matter if it was on the sea or on the land. Peter just wanted to be where Jesus was. And so Peter steps up and he said, Jesus, if it's you, let me come out there where you are. You know, Peter steps out on the water. See, old Peter, he saw a chance to step out of the ordinary, to step out of the mundane. Old Peter was willing to take a chance with Jesus. You know, I, I, you know what, what's wrong with so many of us? We have gotten so comfortable in our Christianity that we don't want and we're afraid to do anything out of the ordinary. We're not going to take a chance with Jesus. This is the way we've done it ever since I've been a Christian, ever since I've been a member here. We've done it this way and we're not going to change. That's the way we are. That's the way we are. Not Peter. <laughs> well, Peter stepped out on the water, but I'll tell you what, he also stepped out on the Word. Jesus said, Peter, come on. Come. Can't you imagine, old Peter? <laughs> old Peter steps up beside the edge of that little old boat. He takes his foot, sets it down on that water. Lo and behold, it doesn't go anywhere. He takes this other one and starts to step out. Now, can't you imagine all these other disciples, all these other church members? <laughs> they say, oh, Lord, here's one of them harebrained ideas that he's come up with. I'll tell you what, he's done some silly things, but this beats them all. Peter didn't listen to him. Peter just kept right on walking. He just keeps on walking. And the Bible says he started walking toward Jesus. Now let me tell you something. If you're going through a storm in your life right now, why don't you do like Peter? Get out on your knees. Take the Word of God and you stay there until you get a Word from God and then you step out on it and you'll find yourself walking on water like Peter. 
Well, then there's Peter's downfall. You know, I find that we're just so much like Peter. Verse 30 says that Peter, he saw the winds boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out to Jesus. Yeah, we understand. He got his eyes off of the Savior and onto the storm. Yeah, we're all guilty of that too. We're all guilty of that. Verse 31 says that he was afraid. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. You know, fear and faith cannot, they, they, they can't live together. They're totally opposite. You know what fear is? Fear is looking at God through your circumstances. You know what faith is? Faith is looking at your circumstances through God. Makes all the difference in the world. And so when old Peter took his eyes off the Savior onto the storm, he took the nest he plunged. But wait a minute. That's probably the best thing that ever happened to Peter in his life. Yep. Oh, Peter, he walks out there to Jesus. He gets to look in those storms. And he starts to sink in the waves. And he cries to Jesus. And Jesus picks him up. But now just think about this. What if old Peter had just kind of walked out there where Jesus was. And just kind of walked around for a moment and then just walked back. And he gets back up in that boat. Can't you just imagine old Peter? He gets up here besides John. He says, John, you ever walked on water, son? Oh, John, no. No, I've never done that. No, Peter says, ah, you looking at him right here, this old boy has. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. When he started to sink and Jesus lifted him up with his hand, brought him back and put him back on that boat, there was no doubt in Peter's mind what made it possible for him to walk on water. And listen to me. Same thing is true in our life. You listen. A defeat in your life that leaves you humble is better than a victory that leaves you proud. So old Peter walked on water, but he knew that God had allowed it to happen. He cried to Jesus, and immediately Jesus saved him. And look at this now. When they got back in the boat, the wind ceased. And look at verse 33. When the wind ceased, that's when the worship started. I mean, the rest of those guys, they came and they fell down at Jesus' feet and they said, Oh, you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. Nobody could do this but the Son of God. So you listen to me. I don't know what storm you're going through today. 
But I can assure you that somebody here this morning is going through a storm and you needed the Word of God. Not my message, but you needed God's Word. And so I'm going to ask you to come right now and let me pray with you. And let's claim the promise that God has given us here. He's with you always. Stand quietly. We're going to sing an invitation song.